The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and Daily Antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, 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 yeah. Good morning, everybody. Happy, happy, happy Monday. That's right. It is Monday, the most important day of the week. And today is Monday, October 9th. And today is National Leif Erickson Day, National Pro-Life Cupcake Day, National Moldy Cheese Day, National Online Banking Day. Here's for you, Matthew. National Kick Butt Day. And Pan's Pandas Awareness Day, Native American Day, and it is also Columbus Day. That's right. Thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to see where we live on the Internet. We're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube. And uh, we're also streaming live on Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, and rumble so welcome to all everyone joining us from those platforms as well but uh man oh man oh man lots of shit going on today i'm just gonna kick kick it off real quick because there is just just so so much going on out there in the streets today and in the world but and 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 gretchen just for you i tried this new software that summarizes the articles okay so I'm trying it. This is my first time trying it. You tell me what you think, okay? A Lompoc Cannabis Lab averts a shutdown for now. Central Coast has been manufacturing cannabis products in Lompoc without the required permits and best available control technology for controlling air pollution. Arlen uh, Garnett asked... Uh, uh, asked the Air Pollution Control District Hearing Board for an abatement order against Central Coast, which would have shut down the Lompoc Lab immediately. Central Coast staff uh, a, uh, staved off a shutdown by submitting the final components for a complete permit application for the district. The Hearing Board agreed to a 60-day extension and postponed the abatement hearing to December 6th. Wednesday, Wednesday's hearing was the first in the county to consider shutting down a cannabis operation because of alleged violations of clean air rules. The district council told the board that 
the Central Coast had made progress in the last couple of weeks and that they plan to make more progress in the next 60 days. Central Coast plans to flare off emissions from the solvents it uses in manufacturing effectively, turbo-boosting its pollution control systems. The flare could take about seven months to build and ship from Italy. Central Coast Agriculture Incorporated was co-founded by John DeFriel and Thomas Martin and operates an outdoor cannabis grow in Buellton. Also, just so anyone knows, that is also better known as Raw Garden. The company's manufacturing, extraction, storage, and distribution lab is locked in two warehouses at 1201 West Chestnut Avenue and 1200 West Laurel Avenue in Lompoc, and it makes certified organic products from raw cannabis for retail sale. Uh, Arlen Garnett, a plaintiff in the district's case against Central Coast, alleged the company was a major source of reactive organic compounds and that they were emitting 135 tons of reactive organic compounds into the outside air in 2020 while operating without permits. Central Coast officials said they had to hire several engineering firms to design their pollution control equipment because there was no established best available control technology for cannabis extraction. The APCD's existing clean air rules apply to all manufacturing, including cannabis, and the district sent out an advisory reminding cannabis operators of those requirements in the spring of 2019. Central Coast Agriculture didn't have permits, so the district had to file for an abatement order. Central Coast is the only cannabis lab in California using cold temperatures to re-condense and collect emissions and reuse solvents. Uh, The flare that the Central Coast plans to order from Italy will clean up a residual amount of emissions as a backup using the emissions themselves as a combustion source. And Central Coast has not expanded in the past two years and has lost tens of millions of dollars because of low prices and a booming black market in cannabis. Central Coast submitted an application to the district this week, but large portions have been redacted. Only district officials can review that information. And the hearing board was surprised by the amount of redaction in the company's materials given the risk of exposure to workers and the public. And Central Coast has been using high, highly polluting diesel generators as a primary source of power for nearly a year. At his Santa Rosa cultivation sites, the district and Central Coast could not agree on how much the company should pay in fines for breaking the law. Well, 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 what do you guys think about this raw garden averting a shutdown? This is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News. What do y'all think? Uh, Employees and people should have clean air. I, I'm I'm all with people having clean air, but I think I feel like this is a little bit over the top. Like it's 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 organic stuff that's being omitted into the air, right? I'm still working on my environmental engineering degree. I'm about uh, fifty years out. So. Fifty years out? I mean, yeah, yeah. Dang. I'm doing it part time of part time. That, that, that's the part that confuses me is 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 all of this organicness. That part. Well, I mean, I'm not really? really sure. I know that even terpenes are a solvent and can can harm or kill you in certain concentrations. Plutonium is organic, so we really need to unpack that word organic. Uh, organic doesn't mean that it's safe, and organic doesn't mean that certain forms of ingestion aren't uh, more harmful than others. Um, they did mention Santa Rosa in the article. Woo-hoo! Sonoma County. Woo-hoo! And to get to a place of being almost shut down 
typically means there was a lot of things that happened before that. So I think that we're getting half that story there. Typically, uh, especially with all the tax revenue off these businesses, most of these local regulators are not trying to shut businesses down, especially when they've already stood up the permits and those people are already operating. So I would just venture to guess that um, there is a backstory that probably did not include prompt compliance and communication and that the shutdown or the threat of a shutdown was an escalation potentially because of a lack of operator cooperation. But I'm just saying. Well, well, I would I would hold your hold your horses on on that thought, Yarrow, because uh, there's another story that we're covering today that that actually does go into that a bit. It's horse singular. I only have one horse, and I try not to hold it while we're recording. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Fair, fair, fair enough. What do you th- think about this, Gretchen? Any thoughts? CCA Agriculture. You're on mute. I said I was going to agree with Yarrow until I heard the horse comment. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I agree. again. Uh, who I don't know what the hell they're spewing. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a ventilation person. Blah blah blah. I'm sure they're. I I'm not the person to weigh in on this. If they were doing bad things, they should get shut down. I mean, I don't think that they're necessarily doing bad things. It says it's all organic. If and you know the saying, if it's if it's again, if it's organic, I, I, don't panic. No, but there's all you kinds of things called volatile organic compounds. Yeah, they're called volatile organic compounds. And, and the word organic, when you come to chemistry like that, it kind of has to do with how they're sourced and how they're made. There's all kinds of VOCs, volatile organic compounds, that off-gas from spray paint stuff that are really harmful. Is it because they use the word organic doesn't mean it's good for you. So you're telling me right. that, that volatile organics is not an oxymoron. You're an oxymoron. <laughs> volatile means it's got a low flash point it means that it will uh, it will uh vaporize mm-hmm. and or ignite at a very low point and, and and jason you should be able to relate you have a low flash point i've seen you get upset and, and you've really, never seen me upset mention, you said that you're not a ventilation expert but you come on here every day and vent so i think you're very qualified <laughs> i i would agree with that yarrow that's a, that's would, a cute one yarrow i would i would agree with that and All right. I, yep. Speaking uh, of ending, next. Yeah, I was about to. I'm getting there, Gretchen. I'm getting there. All right. All, all this love Lower for New York usual. you got going on today. Coming up next, mm-hmm. she's the founder of Panoptic Strategies and a lover of all things New York, especially their flawed cannabis program. That's right. It is none other than the Miss Gretchen Gailey. I ain't got no time for this. But my headline <laughs> is uh, Justice Department defends gun ban for medical marijuana patients in oral arguments before federal appeals court. A federal appeals court heard oral arguments on Thursday in a case concerning the constitutionality of the federal ban keeping medical marijuana patients from purchasing or possessing firearms. A three-judge panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit listened and asked questions as attorneys for Florida medical cannabis patients and the Justice Department argued their sides of the case which have been fleshed out in multiple briefings over the course of more than a year. Will Hall, who is representing the plaintiff, said in his opening remarks that there are two main considerations at hand that demonstrate the unconstitutionality of the federal ban. Multiple courts outside of the 11th Circuit have already determined that the prohibition is unconstitutional. Hall's first argument was that regardless of the legality of cannabis use, Precedent holds that simply committing a crime on its own does not inherently exclude people from their Second Amendment rights. The second is that the Supreme Court has created a new threshold for gun restrictions 
that renders them unconstitutional if there is not a historical analog consistent with the amendment's original 1791 ratification. Banning people who use medical cannabis is inconsistent with that historical context, Hall contended. The Justice Department attorney recognized that there were not widespread illegal drugs at the founding. It's not something that happened until the turn of the 20th century. But he argued that early laws restricting gun rights over drunkenness and mental illness represent historical analogs that are consistent with the purpose and intent of the federal gun ban for people who consume cannabis regularly. In a prior briefing, it was undisputed that the conduct the plaintiffs wish to engage in is a violation of federal law. And obviously, it has been for over 50 years, uh, according to the DOJ. I think it's also significant that we're talking about a violation not just of the law, but a violation that involves the use of intoxicating substances. It's undisputed here that those substances involve the impairment of cognition, judgment, and other skills that are essential to the safe handling of firearms. There were also discussion of what constitutes a law-abiding citizen whom Second Amendment rights are protected. Judge Robert Luck, who was appointed by former President Donald Trump, pointed out to the DOJ attorney that there seems to be a disconnect in characterizing state-registered medical cannabis patients as not law-abiding, given that a federal rider annually renewed each year since 2014 prevents DOJ intervention in state medical cannabis programs and legal states have completely blessed certain cannabis activity. How can we say that they're not law-abiding under that legal infrastructure that exists as it does right now? The government's attorney downplayed the significance of the appropriations rider, stating that it's geographically and temporarily limited. But Lux said, it just seems to be hard to say someone's not law-abiding where they are abiding by the law of their state with the imprimatur of the federal government that we're not going to prosecute you for right now until we decide to change our mind about that. And the rider has been renewed not just one time, but has been reaffirmed constantly by the federal government. There seemed to be mutual agreement among the judges and parties that one factor that could help inform a ruling is a separate upcoming Supreme Court case, United States versus Rahimi, that concerns whether a person with a domestic violence injunction against them can be summarily disarmed. A federal circuit court ruled that they cannot, and the case is now set for initial oral, oral arguments in the Supreme Court in November. Where that case overlaps with the cannabis and gun rights issue is that it would clarify whether a person who is not law-abiding for any reason can be systematically denied Second Amendment rights. There was discussion among the parties about potentially delaying a ruling until they, that court is able to see how that plays out, but that hasn't been decided yet and the timing for next steps is currently unclear. I thought it went overall in that obviously we had a panel that was well-prepared, very engaged, and very interested in the topic. Hall told Marijuana Moment. Judges were definitely grappling with a lot of questions that other courts have as well. Open questions that have been left out by the Supreme Court cases in this area. Very fair and reasonable questions and things that the court probably will look for for more guidance from the Supreme Court. Uh, I think I think this was, it sounds like by all accounts, that they felt they were got a fair hearing from the just judges in this case. Um, Overall, I do think that the courts will eventually find uh, that it is unconstitutional to de deny people their gun rights based on being a medical marijuana patient. Uh, but uh, this still has a ways to go. Discretion for Hyde 9 News. Man, <clears throat> man, oh man, oh man. I can't believe that they can actually really make these types of, ty types of judgments and, and impose on people's rights in this way.
pretty ridiculous. Well, it's it's, it's, it splits our constituents, right? I mean, we clearly have a gun problem in this country, and we clearly have policy. The problems aren't legal guns, though. <clears throat> well, so here, let me let me finish my grub. My okay, groove. go okay. ahead. Go okay. ahead. <laughs> you violated the tenets of Jason's tribe, Yarrow. <laughs> there's there's no doubt that probably eighteen to twenty five year old, mostly young men probably shouldn't be accessing 30 round clips in AR-15. Right? Why not? So Word. This splits, this, splits, Word. this splits the constituents because we, we clearly need some gun reform, right? And on the other hand, <clears throat> open carry was pioneered in the late 60s by the Black Panthers in California, not by a, uh, a you know, tea party mm -hmm. in, yep. in the 2000s in Texas. And this notion of criminalizing cannabis giving out felonies like it was Halloween candy and then taking away people's rights to ever have a gun as a result of a felony conviction really creates two very different camps. We do need gun reform and we do need to make sure that people who don't have the mental capabilities to have good judgment don't have good ammo. And, and when we do these expungement clinics and people get their felonies reduced from cannabis, they don't get their right to have a gun back. And so this notion of destigmatizing cannabis isn't going to really be complete if uh, if we continue to, to to think that people who use cannabis are going to have um, subpar judgment that that is somehow less than somebody who's drank a fifth of Jack Daniels or popped the entire bottle of Vicodin. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I'm just not for for them banning guns in 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 any shape form what, what, whatsoever. I I do believe that there need to be some mental health uh, checks in regards with the issuance of some of these uh, firearm licenses and whatnot. I'm I'm all for 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 that, but uh, mo most of this stuff I'm not for at all, and I think is a total infringement on your on your constitutional rights. Well. well Go ahead. The dependency clause, if we don't want to go super geeky, all I know is that I'm probably not the only parent who has Googled bulletproof school backpacks for their young Jesus. children. And so clearly we have a problem that other countries don't, and we're going to need to come up with a solution that other countries I think that's, that, 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 again, Yaro, I think a lot of that has to do with mental health, um, and, yeah. and, and, and that's why I'm for the mental health checks. I, I don't okay. think. Okay, well, I think, we're, I think we're getting into two different arguments here. So, yes, this country definitely has a gun problem. Um, however, uh, to say that someone is being impaired by cannabis and that is why they should not be able to use it is ridiculous. Yes. Plenty of people are on prescription drugs. Plenty mm -hmm. of people drink. I mean, there's so many other legal substances uh, that people can ingest and not lose their rights. So I, to suggest this is ridiculous. And I think that's why the constitutionality or unconstitutionality will be uh upheld or overturned or whatever you want to say how long um, how long do you think it'll take for it to make its way through the court system to get to get uh, appealed gretchen i mean i think it'll be interesting i mean rahimi's going to get hurt in november mm -hmm. i think if they say that this guy who uh, you know has domestic violence on his record doesn't get to get his guns taken away i don't see how you make the argument that these people are unlaw abiding um and i think it's an interesting argument to suggest that uh, because of uh, Rohrbacher, Farr, Blumenauer, mm -hmm. McClintock, whatever the heck thing is now, um, that the government has continually uh, given approval and voted this thing through, that that shows their approval of medical 
medical programs. I think that's a and valid so argument. Thus, it's not really legal. Yeah, they're not un. I don't know why I can't speak this morning. They are not criminals. These aren't people who are not law-abiding. And what's your definition of law-abiding? Exactly. These people are following their state laws. They're doing what they're supposed to. Uh, the government's picking and choosing which laws that they think are they're not abiding by. That is true. That's This administration is pretty good at that, at picking and choosing. And, and it's very minority report, this notion that because a future crime could occur, we're going to interfere with your current rights. I agree with that. Um, I agree with you on that one, Yarrow. People always worried about, about what's going to happen instead of worrying about what is actually happening. I'm with that. All right, all right. We're going to keep we're going to keep this train moving. Gretchen, that was a fantastic story. Thank you. So oh, you're much. welcome. We we no appreciate problem. you. We appreciate you I'm so sure so you much, do. Gretchen. Mm-hmm. So so mm-hmm. so. I love when so mom and dad much. get along. He's trying not to pay his bills. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to butter me up, St. Germain. I ain't falling for it. So silly. So, so, so silly. All right, coming up next. That's right. He is the immortal wizard and the Count himself who has traveled and walked along the roads for millions of years, but all of a sudden has ended up here. That's right. It is the Count himself, Mr. Matthew St. Germain. Thanks, Brother Jason. Happy Monday, everybody. And I've got a crazy one. This is just uh, out of the blue, right? Uh, Sprawling Cannabis Campus. A lot of people already know who this is. Closed by Sacramento officials. Here's why and who is suing over it. The city of Sacramento has temporarily shut down a large cannabis manufacturing facility. Swiftly promptly. It's happening to all of us. Prompting an explosive council meeting and a lawsuit. On October 2nd, officials ordered the closure of Natura. Located on Elder Creek Road near Power Inn Road, citing fire code violations that make the uh, the buildings unsafe for its 450 employees. The decision prompted over 40 workers to come to last Tuesday's city council meeting. Several were near tears as they begged for the council to overrule the building inspector's decision so they could pay their rent and feed their families. I believe my company is wrongfully under assault, Michael Hicks, an employee, told the council. My job and the job of hundreds of others are in jeopardy now. Mayor Daryl Steinberger urged CEO and co-founder Ori Baton to urgently spend money for the construction, citing a Wall Street Journal article that said Baton had recently listed his Los Angeles home for $38 million. I don't begrudge anybody's wealth, Steinberg said, but I would suggest to you that you hire people to do double, triple, quadruple overtime to get this work done in collaboration with the building inspector and fire inspector and get these folks back to work as quickly as possible and or you pay your employees while this work gets done. Comment prompted Baton to jump up from his chair and shout from the audience, causing the council to adjourn the meeting early as dozens of employees filed out disappointed. Temporary closure could result in the facility closing for good because, uh, you know, once they get off that treadmill of making any money, they could find themselves too far behind. Craig Powell, uh, who is the Natura Senior Vice President. Company Thursday sued the city in Sacramento Superior Court, claiming the city violated the company's constitutional rights. It asked for the judge to, uh, for an order to let the city uh, keep the business open until this is uh, solved. And what they're saying is when Natura opened in 2020, the city repeatedly extended the amount of time to complete the construction, taking the COVID pan- uh, pandemic into account, as well as uh, other factors. And, and Lee, who is uh, the fire marshal for Sacramento, said that fire suppression and protection equipment was missing in multiple buildings on campus. It was not specific, but typically that equipment can include sprinkler systems, and these sprinkler systems can cost upwards of hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars to install. I've got a story about that for later. Natura has a 200,000 square foot facility. They're vertically integrated. They have an immersive showroom 
and they make a lot of uh, products for other people. As a private company, they don't disclose any financial figures. And uh, there's going to be some follow-up meetings at the city council if anybody feels like they want to show up and, and discuss this uh, in either direction. And for me, um, you know, this is a bummer that some locals are being fired at the same time. It's kind of a win for the industry because Natura has just been pumping out crap since uh, since they've been up and functional. And uh, it's just another story of one of these folks who came from out of the industry, had a solar company that was you know funded by his mom and dad. He sold that for 50 million bucks. And all of a sudden he's going to come in and re reset and reframe the cannabis industry. And it's so funny how we see time and again these folks from other industries who are used to playing fast and loose get into our industry and really uh, hit the wall um, due, due to stigmatization and, and the regulatory nature of cannabis. I could go on at length about this, but I'm really excited for a discussion. So, uh, Yarrow, Jason, uh, Gretchen. So, so, so the status as of now is the, is the facility has been closed by the city. Am I, am I correct on that? Facility is closed and not deemed to be uh, safely inhabitable. Did they red yeah. tag it? Uh, yes. So the building has been red tagged. That means that they cannot enter or exit the premises. Oh, you, you, you could probably, you could probably exit. Slightly translucent to know that it's ready to pull off and then you go, can go into the building. I mean, look, here's the <laughs> thing, guys and gals. If you get a certificate of occupancy for new construction, then the city has said you're good to go. And so, hey. you know, I, I have not personally consumed the cannabis out of that facility, but I think these people did a really good job telling the story while they were slowly under construction with a steady drumbeat of progress imagery, and they've really positioned themselves, right? So separate from the quality, I know people who've worked there. I see Ori, I see Josh, I see a lot of people being involved in the industry. So again, separate from the quality, because I haven't had an opportunity to go there, they put some time in the saddle. I mean, they're, 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 and so in order to get a certificate of occupancy on new construction, you have to have gone through all of your safety requirements, whether that's structural engineering, electrical inspections, fire and safety. So the challenge that I have is that fire safety code has not really changed much in the last few years since they got that certificate of occupancy. My question is, What's the backstory that we're not seeing here? How could they have gotten a certificate of occupancy and then been so deficient in the construction and installation of those infrastructures and sub sub infrastructures that they somehow now have to be closed? That I, I don't understand it. And and and, and I think and, I, I think I might have an answer for you, Yaro. Fire away, my man. And 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 and, and, and granted, I am speculating on this. I'm, I'm not 100 percent for sure, but I think that this makes sense. Um, I, I, when first Natura first opened, they did not open the full, full, full facility. They opened enough to be right. operational and they recently expanded. And so I believe that this, that this, uh, red tag has to do with the expansion that they have done. But to me, it sounds like it is also affecting the pre-existing structure that they were, that, that, that originally had the certificate of occupancy. I that's what I was thinking. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Somebody put their thinking cap on this morning before they turned on the internet. That's right. They, you know it, baby. Cerebral prowess there. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I can't disagree. He's actually bald. Mm -hmm. that, that's his thinking cap disguised as a hairdo. Exactly. Exactly. Gretchen, how do you win yet another bet on this article with Jason here? What's your take? <laughs> <laughs> cute, 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 Yaro. Look, she's speechless. She's on mute. 
You're fucking wrong. dogs got me on mute all morning. Uh huh. Blame it on the dogs. I bl- always blaming yeah. everything on the dogs. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're my sweet, sweet mm-hmm. babies. Um, I don't know. I'm sure Jason Beck is wrong here in some aspect. I'm not. I I'm, first of all, half the time. Rule number one: um, I'm never wrong. Rule number two: If I ever am wrong, refer back to rule number one. What? Yep, anyway, exactly. Um, I, 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 this is weird. I'm agreeing a lot with Yarrow today when I rarely reg- agree with Yarrow. Mm-hmm. I, fire code violations, yeah, they don't change that fucking much. So the, what the fuck? I don't understand how these people are such shag offs. They couldn't be compliant. And and, and I will say this: they have plenty of money. I know they're an investor. They have plenty of money. So that. like, money is yep. definitely not the issue as far as a financial nope. hardship being involved with this group. I'm not buying that for a second. This is clearly a lack of uh, of follow through on on their part to uh, appease the powers that bees. And, and, and I'm trying you know, to understand for this the record, grow facility or yes, yes, this is, yes, a, yes, it's, it's a, a massive, massive yeah. campus. But, they but call hey, it I just want to say, for the record, for the record, well, it's the because I'm getting snarky about the quality of their the weed. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The reason I'm getting snarky about the quality of their weed is because the facility is beautiful. They have tens of millions of dollars at least. They have the ear and the pull of quite a few people who are, are, are actually really cool people in the cannabis industry. And it, for me, it's like watching your friend have this beautiful Ferrari, and he's just grinding the gears nonstop and driving with the parking brake on. And it's just like, bro, like, why don't you let somebody drive this thing that can actually honor what it is? You know? And so it's not like just F these guys. It's just like, man, how can you, how can you consistently be creating 14 acres worth of some of the shittiest weed on the planet, spending millions of dollars doing it, not smoke a joint of your stuff once and figure out it's no good. I think it's just because you're anti-Semitic during our biggest time of tragedy here. Whoa, so- dude. No, whoa. thank you. Yeah. No, whoa, I'm actually, whoa I'm, whoa. I was made an honorary Jew by Casey Kushner when his most Sizzlack yarmulke looked better on me than it did on him. Oh, no, sir. Not one even, not whoa, even one bit. I've always been a, a defender whoa. of the Jewish people. I love them. I'm not going to comment on what's going on overseas. I just wanted to. Just, just nip that in the bud. It's just literally, bro, like people from that facility and organization. I've interviewed for jobs there that I ended up declining. Uh, I, I know who they are. I've been there. They've given me the weed to smoke because I've done Emerald Cup judging and asked me about it and then told them and I even instructed them on how to fix it and they it would it just fell on deaf ears. That's really just my point is like, oh, if I was Question. in charge of any company that cost $40 million to build, I would sample my product I would determine honestly if it was good or not, and I would do something about it if it wasn't. It's such an easy thing to see and fix. Everybody out there, go smoke some Natura weed. Show up in the comments the next couple of weeks and tell me if you think it smell, it tastes like a house key and burns the shit out of your throat or not. Maybe I'm wrong. Quick ahead, question. Quick question. Quick question go for you, for Saint it, Germain, or or Jason, who may know. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I probably do. Do they white label for other brands? Yes, or is tons. They do. Tons. Who are the tons. other brands I'm, that they represent? Tons, of, tons of different brands. Tons of different brands. Like who? That's my question. That who? you that you would know? I don't know. It's just our name and brands. I know a few things. I've been around for a little bit. Jason Beck. Yeah. Well, Slugger, Slugger, Sluggers, 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 came for the facts. Slug, Sluggers is one brand that they produce. Uh, what is uh-huh. it? Dun Tie, uh, like, is a gummy brand that they produce. Um, we're doing Fidel's till he got over the fact that nobody would smoke Fidel's weed from Natura. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. And I mean, on that. The dynamic that, that St. Germain is touching upon is unfortunately not just that facility. There are a lot of well-capitalized, sophisticated facilities 
where there is a skimping or a lack of passion for having the most amount of talent in the genetics and operator positions or chair or discussions or decisions. And it does, it does make a lot of us scratch our heads. We're like, okay, you've got the best facility in the world and ooh, nails on chalkboard. So I'm, I'm appreciative that Matthew is willing to have those honest conversations with people, not just as an Emerald Cup flower judge, but as somebody who is just speaking truth without, you know, kissing anybody's hindquarters or, 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 or trying to be polite around things. People do deserve to know the quality of what's coming out of their facility. So they don't just fall in love with the shiny blinking lights and the fertigation machines and really understand what the, what the outputs are. Um, and, 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 and again, I don't think that this is the only facility that might suffer from that, but Matthew, you do the, the, the industry a service when you say those things, I'll be yes, ideally with a little solution and, and gently positioned, but you're right. Bro, I offered, I offered Ori solutions. Right. He didn't want to hear it. He just did this. Instead. He's like, no, my facility is worth $40 million. You're an idiot. Thank you. Do you, you know, think that there are, it's like, dude, imagine if I put $10 million into a chair factory and I gave you guys each one of my chairs and like feedback was bro. I've got splinters in my ass from your chair. And I was like, that's cool. I'll my leg broke. These chairs, you guys, my leg broke you know I mean? in my it's chair. Like, yeah, exactly. And it's like, take the direct feedback, sample your product that you're so proud of that you spent tens of millions of dollars on, realize it's not good, do something about it. And the fun, the, the thing for me, Arrow especially, and thank you, it's like when, when people grow harsh and smokable weed, they drive everybody to the gummy lane. And as an old school drug loving degenerate, I find that there is actually a lot of sensuality and, and immersive uh, uh, sense love in, ca in cannabis flower, in smelling well-dried flower, in feeling it with your fingers to feel, is it dry, is it wet, what is the cure state, and breaking it apart, and seeing the iridescent Hearing that crack of the stem. Of okay, sunlight. okay, 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 Thank not you. that I don't and love so, this, but time out, time out, St. Germain, can I ask you a one question? One second, I'm gonna finish this my thought. Because of this, I just want people to have good smoking weed so they get off the gummies. That's Gretchen. Yes, sir. So here's my question. Do you think it is not possible then to produce cannabis on a mass scale like this? Totally is. It totally is. It's 100% possible. You then what are care. they not doing right? Uh, they're using, uh, they're using an abundance of hydro fertilizer. They're not flushing enough. They're drying mm -hmm. too fast. And um, they could be, I don't know the exact fertilizers they're using, but it's mainly an, an overabundance of fertilizer. Too much crop steering without enough flushing either at the end of the day or weekly. Um, the thought that really you should be flushing weed just at the end of your run is ridiculous. What you should be doing is growing with no, a little you bit flush less every week. And, and air on flushing and cleaner plants to keep your tissue soft. A lot of what you're getting, um, and this delves into bro science, so forgive me if I'm an idiot. Uh, I'm just a great weed grower. Uh, a lot of the things that, that burn hot are metals. A lot of the nutrients, the micronutrients for cannabis are metals. One of the most abundant is magnesium. Magnesium uh, burns at like 1,400 degrees Fahrenheit, right? So if you have d deposits of these metals from overfeeding your plants, not flushing your plants enough, you're literally burning metals at plus 1,000 degrees in, the, in these flower tissues. And, and, and Gretchen, I don't, I don't like to keep my tissue soft. You know how I roll. But what I would say <laughs> is that what I would say is that there's a constant challenge between scale and quality. It's like, how do you Michelin star a buffet? There is always this challenge between scale and quality. It never goes away. It is 
still dependent upon that particular round of cultivation. There will never be a complete technology solution that allows somebody to sit from a thousand miles away and just operate facilities from an iPad. Right. And and oh. so it's it's a challenge. And 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 when you're farming, even if you're indoor or under glass, uh, Mother Nature's on your board of directors, whether you like it or not. And and, and so it, it takes a talented team that is continually asking themselves what they can do better and different the next time. And Matthew, Matthew, when Can, you Canacraft is producing thousands to tens of tens of thousands of, of pounds yearly, and they've won the Emerald Cup uh, multiple times at that scale. Matthew, so they're, they're showing it's possible. Yeah, Jay, Matthew. When you yeah. don't flush, all you do is fill your bowl with a bunch of crap. And on that, we need to go to a commercial, and we're going to be right back. Relying on 25 years of commercial hydroponic experience, King Solomon Nutrients has engineered the best liquid and dry fertilizer products for cannabis that preserves the crop, the soil, and the environment. Through relentless passion, research, and innovation, King Solomon has developed simplified cannabis crop nutrition you can trust. It was created for farmers by farmers. Don't mess around. Try the crown. Ah, stop whatever you're doing. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not subscribed already. And, oh, yeah, you can check out all the articles that we cover on today's show at our website at www.hyatt9news.com. You can go there, check it out, write a little thoughts, and share. Let us know what you think about all of this. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Well, you guys, I have some news for you guys. Governor Gavin Newsom was busy, busy, busy this weekend. Because Newsom, he vetoes AB 1207, a move welcomed by the industry. In a move welcomed by the cannabis industry, California Governor Gavin Newsom has vetoed AB 1207. This bill, also known as the Cannabis Candy Child Safety Act, aimed to further regulate and restrict packaging and advertising of cannabis products in an effort to protect the children. However... After careful consideration, Governor Newsom has decided to return the bill without his signature effectively vetoing it. This decision comes as a relief to many in the industry who have been concerned about the potential impact of AB 1207 on existing businesses and their bottom line. AB 1207 also, uh, sorry, Governor Newsom stated that while he appreciates the author's intent, he is concerned that the definition of attractive to children used in this bill is too broad. He believes that existing regulations and uh, project, uh, projections already in place for cannabis products are sufficient and adding more limitations would not significantly contribute to protecting children from exposure to cannabis. Instead, he has directed the Department of Cannabis Control to strengthen and expand existing youth-related cannabis protections through enhanced enforcement measures. 
You guys know what that means. With Governor Newsom's veto of AB 1207, the California cannabis industry can breathe a sigh of relief. The potential consequences of this bill on on already struggling businesses would have been significant. From costly rebranding efforts to fines for noncompliance, this veto is a victory for those businesses and allows them to continue operating without the added burden of further restrictions. It also shows that state officials are taking a thoughtful and practical approach to regulating the cannabis industry, considering both child safety and the needs of business. Now, that last sentence sounds like a total AI summary um, in regards to so I'm not too sure about that last sentence. But overall, Governor Newsom's decision is a positive step towards a thriving and responsible cannabis market in California, so it can be seen as a win for the cannabis industry. Again, that sounds like some AI chat BS, too. Even though it is a big win for the cannabis industry, no one has to rebrand. You guys can all still keep your social media profiles. And what do you all think about this? Hallelujah. Right? And Gretchen, yeah, dude, I mean, this was just when you read into it, it was just ridiculous. The amount of restriction. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe that this that this bill even passed the legislature. I can't. Yeah, I, I mean, I, that, was, that was the biggest challenge is it felt very well intended, but ill conceived from the beginning. And the, the systemic threat it would have created across brands and anybody that had an image of an animal mm -hmm. or people. Yeah, uh, it, it, it seemed very reactionary. And I just am, my concern was how far along this bill got and how much of a present near present danger it became versus somebody going, ah, that's just not really well thought out. Um, and, 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 you know, look, I think there is absolutely a threat with age restrictive products. I think the biggest one is gummies and I, or edibles. And I don't think that that biggest threat uh, with age-restricted products in the form factor of edibles. I don't think the biggest reason why that's a problem is because there's a picture of an animal on the packaging. I think it's because it shit tastes good and you don't know that it's got the marahoochie in it, right? Mm -hmm. so, like, your kids don't go to the, you know, your four-year-old doesn't go to the liquor cabinet and start taking shots of vodka because it burns the heck out of their mouth and it's not an enjoyable intake experience. And so if you've got something that's full of sugar and doesn't taste very much like cannabis and it does it's not in a child proof packaging yeah that that's a really easy problem and we need to figure out ways to continue to level up because the incidence of kids eating too much cannabis and having to go to the hospital has gone up dramatically right well i think but, a lot of that is because of the because of the trap market being so so fruitful and a lot of it is just bad parenting and parents leaving their stuff out and so i think it's more of a parenting yep. issue than i think it is a cannabis issue at all period agreed so if people, new consumers especially, but people in general need to be trained to understand that while there are form factors that have very little risk that your kids are going to ingest it, edibles is not. It's probably the most risky. And to your point, right. needs to be locked up like mm -hmm. anything else that could have a, a negative result if it wasn't locked up. So I, I, I see where the body of concern is coming from, but the notion that, you know, it has to do with the labeling. I mean, ha have they interviewed any of these kids that accidentally ate too many gummies and went to an ER? And Half say, the kids well, that eat this stuff can't even read. It's not because they saw a particular mascot on the side of a, a, a of a package. It's because it tasted sweet. It's because so it's candy. Yes. That's what if kids like. Just, if we could just have these edibles taste like the dynamic between your and Gretchen's relationship, it would be so unsavory. None of them would eat any of it. It would taste like honey. Wah!
Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just low-key tripping. We were at the network show last week, Jason and I, uh, at the mm-hmm. trade show in L.A., and as I was walking around, I was yeah, interacting with so many friends and looking at their whole booth and just wondering to myself, like, wow, like their entire brand identity is going to be evaporated yeah. if this thing exactly. Exactly. How many Instagram pages really would, would have been shut down because of this? Because they weren't allowed to advertise on social media or have any type of brand presence online at all whatsoever. Ours would have. Yeah, ours would have, and I've been making all the reels for it. It's been pretty cool, so yeah. that would have been made for me. <laughs> uh, all right, we're going to keep, keep this Just straight. in general, we really need some sort of like recognition from the government that adult stoners love cartoons. Just have to. That has to be like... Like How a, about adults a, a, in general be, love cartoons? You don't have to be an adult stoner to love cartoons. I'm just saying. Adult I'm just saying. Stoners, you're putting, bro, a, you putting get a smaller high, box it's one on to it. One. Gretchen, you love cartoons. Uh, a few cartoons. Gretchen loves me. anime. Oh, shut That's up. That counts. <laughs> <laughs> I used to read Archie when I was little. Oh, Archie. Oh, that is yeah, cup. Cup's, Cup's talking to what uh, Cup in the comments is talking to what Yarrow said about he says most people with kids he knows keep their edibles in the kitchen not in a safe place and that's the number one issue like oh, as a parent silly. yeah you should have any recreational drugs you're deciding to do in some sort of lockbox in your room in a secure location because your kids are going to get into it and no matter how much you think you're on them there's going to be a moment where you're not home and they're going to get inquisitive we're all curious yep. little monkeys we want to know what's in the hole I'm not a monkey you can speak for yourself on that one. Actually, technically, you're pretty close to a primate. I mean, don't make me go genius. That's not. That's not. That, 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 that is total fake news. I'm not buying that. But uh, on that, we are going to roll right in to Mr. Yaro Kubrin. He's up there in the great city of Santa Rosa, even though he looks like he should be a Florida man. That's right. I know he gets mistaken for that quite often. But he does cannabis, cannabis real estate, and just regular real estate too. That's right. It is Mr. Yaro Kubrin. You get, oh my there, hold on there you go there you go yarrow i don't have my soundboard adam has it so sorry i need more than just my parking ticket validated mm, i need I my bet. soul validated thank you so much for that intro uh should i read the long form of this article i i, I emailed you the short form the abbreviated version yeah yes I think we go with the short form at first i didn't want to do anything short because i'm already you know got a we already know you have height issues but uh, <laughs> Let's go with the short form on this one. And good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. And hello to you. Uh, Minnesota hemp entrepreneurs worry recreational marijuana could push them out of business. Minnesota's legalization of recreational marijuana is causing conflict between the state's hemp and marijuana industries. Some hemp entrepreneurs of color say the recreational marijuana industry is less accessible for people like them because of federal laws and tensions have flared recently over conversations about regulating hemp products that contain THC. Todd Harris, CEO of Plift, said he didn't want to be in the marijuana space and that hemp is a more scalable business. Some local hemp entrepreneurs are concerned that a recent push to tighten federal regulations on hemp-derived THC products is an assault on their industry. They envision a future market that favors hemp-derived products for low-dose THC edibles and beverages alongside more potent marijuana-derived edibles and beverages. Minnesota's path to marijuana legalization is unique because the state's first legalized low-dose THC products in 2022 and then it legalized marijuana earlier this year and the state plans to roll out a tiered licensing system for marijuana entrepreneurs. 
Harris and other local hemp entrepreneurs are anxious about a letter the Cannabis Regulatory Regulators Association sent to Congress in September calling for new federal regulations on hemp-derived THC products. They worry that the move could be the first step towards marijuana regulators pushing out hemp in favor of marijuana products. Woo! <laughs> The letter calls on Congress to create a federal regulator for hemp-derived cannabinoids in its next farm bill. The letter to Congress from marijuana regulators calls for a new definition of hemp-derived cannabinoid products, which has Harrison Stephen Brown concerned about the future of Minnesota's hemp industry. The marijuana regulators maintain they are trying to destroy the hemp the marijuana regulators maintain they aren't trying to destroy the hemp industry, but rather introduce consumer protections to it. Marijuana regulators should speak up on the hemp issue at a Gillian shower because federal minimum standards are needed to address areas that cannot be fully addressed by current state laws. Harris and Brown both say they spend considerable amounts of money to ensure their products are safe and effective. Contradictory local and, and federal laws about marijuana make it a hard business to succeed in, Harris said. Entrepreneurs of color often don't have as much access to capital as white entrepreneurs to start and maintain a business. Weber acknowledged that some people in the hemp industry may lose some of their profits as recreational marijuana becomes businesses grow under the new law. He plans to apply for a state license to sell both marijuana and hemp items. Angela Dawson, who runs 40 Acre Co-op, said she lost income because of changes in Minnesota's law governing marijuana and hemp. She said she had to let go of all of her employees and get on food stamps for one month to make it through that period. Cannabis Regulators Association's letter to Congress asked lawmakers to establish clear definitions between marijuana and hemp seeds. Dawson said this is worrisome because the hemp farmers need to experiment with all kinds of seeds to figure out how to successfully grow hemp on their soil. This is Yarrow Kubrin, High at Nine News, Monday morning. What do you guys Man, think? The snake oil salesmen are hard at work today trying to get their products back on the shelves. I think hemp well, should be used primarily for food, uh, clothing, and other industrial yeah, uses. Yeah, industrial uses, yeah. It should not be this CBD products, Delta 8, BS, all of that crap. I think truly the plant, whether it's hemp, cannabis, whatever, uh, should all be regulated equally. Um, and so they're all on the same playing field. So you're for uh, equality? It is. Yes, Jason, okay. I'm for equality. All right. I think that if they are... If it's a product that you're going to ingest or consume, it needs to meet the meet the same safety standards of any product that you would put into your body. Uh, so whether it's hemp or cannabis, yes, they should all have to follow the same damn rules. If it is going to be used strictly as an agricultural product for clothing or whatever, yada yada. I mean, it's a plant. Fucking let's start regulating this thing like the commodity uh, and the agricultural product that it is. I agree with you on that part, Gretchen, without a doubt. And then you wouldn't have these issues between hemp versus cannabis. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the Controlled Substance Act got it, got it right. It's mm -hmm. all defined as cannabis sativa L there. I don't understand why all these regulators can't get it through their heads that it's all the same plant. What matters is the final product. I agree. The final product. And the actual processes that go through to make that final product. Yes. For once, we agree, Jason Beck. What the fuck? Let's Look, call it a quit. Like this awkward we pod. might as well just end the show early. Like, <laughs> no, shit. we can't. Neither of us is used to that. Let's go. Anymore. No dissent, no back and forth. Forget it. We're going to leave early today. No. I mean, look. Nice try. I agree. I agree too. Good day. Good day. Is it a holiday? It is, is It, it is a holiday. holiday. Yes, it is a Yes, holiday. it's Columbus Day. What does that mean? I thought it was National Dads with Donuts Day. And as soon as this thing wraps, I'm going to go, you know, eat a bunch of. 
eclairs and stuff. I mean, what's your go-to donut there, Yaro? Uh, actually, I, I, I'm Jewish, so it's a it's a bagel. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's solidarity with Israel. Um, so, oh boy, I I I think the challenge here is that you know, it's saying like it's a really slippery slope to say that the lower barrier to entry in hemp favors people of color because of the barriers to entry in regulated cannabis. And 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 that's a true statement. That is a slippery slope. It's a slippery mm-hmm. slope because it's out of context, right? And the context is around consumer product safety, right? And so we should be able to solve for that issue, which is a real issue around the lack of diversity within regulated cannabis, as well as the the barriers to entry in terms of the capital. Like that is an issue, and 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 we're not going to be able to unpack that on this show. And this isn't the article for it. However. To have hemp-derived intoxicating cannabinoids that are not regulated in the same way that intoxicating cannabinoids are that come from cannabis is a, is a broken system. And I just don't see why these... I mean, it sounds a little whiny for these hemp farmers because we, we're like behind the curb, curb on actually regulating cannabinoids irrespective of which plant they came from. And so for, for hemp farmers or hemp manufacturers to complain about regulation in that respect... Um, seems very much like just maintaining their own interests instead of thinking about the public health interests of not having kids buying hemp-derived cannabinoids in a gas station, not lab-tested, in potency amounts that should never get on shelves. Like, there's some real fucking issues here. And if we want to be... If we want to be a responsible industry, both regulated cannabis and underregulated hemp, we need to take some ownership for what those outcomes are. Because if we don't start to self-regulate, you can guarantee that some entity will come in and overregulate. And so the, the, the complaining about the regulation on hemp, I don't mean to sound like a NorCal cannabis guy, but fucking cry me a river. Oh, boy. Oh boy. Well, on that, I'm going to move to move to our last story in the sake of time and just for for Gretchen's size. And this is some super, super, super important news, you guys. Remember, I told you earlier, Matthew, I told you the governor was busy over the weekend. He was doing all kinds of stuff. And I'll tell you what else he did that really kind of screwed us all. You ready for this one? That's right, because we're going to leave you guys with a getting screwed story. (laughs) Governor Newsom vetoes Amsterdam-style cannabis cafes for California. A bill to allow Amsterdam-style cannabis cafes in California has been vetoed by Governor Gavin Newsom, according to Assemblyman Matt Haney, who authored the legislation. Assembly Bill 374 passed the Assembly with a 66-9 to vote last month after previously being approved by the state Senate. The legislation would have allowed local jurisdictions to authorize cannabis retailers to prepare and serve non-cannabis food and beverages and to sell tickets to live performances. Newsom said he ha- he had vetoed the bill out of concern that the bill was was written how the bill was written could undermine the state's smoke-free workplace protections. But that he did appreciate in quotation marks that cannabis business owners need to create more revenue streams. 
Haney, a Democrat from San Francisco, has said the bill was meant to allow struggling cannabis businesses to diversify away from the marijuana-only dispensary model and bring much-needed tourist dollars into empty downtowns. In a statement released on Sunday, Haney said, Californians are proud of our state's wine culture, and we do everything we can to make sure that our winemakers receive the support they need. We need to be doing the exact same thing for cannabis. If we don't start by, if we don't start better supporting these businesses, we are going to lose decades of being at the forefront of the cannabis movement and other states will be ready to swoop in and take it from us. Well, I think you should also approve these businesses might not be able to last so long under this current regulatory structure to actually actually continue to be a business too, but nonetheless, I'm going to digress on that and see what you guys have to say about this. Well, I have a question yep. uh, because I'm not a Californian and not totally up on all the bullshit that y'all do out there. Uh, how does this, uh, what about folks like Barbary Coast and folks who already have some type of consumption space? So, 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 was so you can have a consumption lounge. Oh, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me only sell them. Sure. Go yeah, ahead. I was just going to break this down for Gretchen. So, so it, with, with having a consumption lounge allows you just to consume what these consumption lounges, the way for them to make money is, is as basically operating as a restaurant. And so I got it. Okay, and so okay. so this, so this law, bill was just to add the restaurant stuff. This, this was to allow so the pastries. Yes, so that that way they could sell food, they could sell tickets to events that they're going to have at their consumption lounge, all of right. that. Type so he of stuff. wasn't outlawing consumption lounges. He's outlawing the extras that people could have added to their lounge. No. Well, this is the whole thing. Is is the reason that he said that he vetoed the bill is because he believes that it would um, impact the state's non-smoking indoors laws. Now, the whole thing about it is this, is that we already have consumption lounges where people smoke indoors, and th there's those exemptions have already been, been written in regards to. So to me, I feel as though some lawyer got into his ear and told him to veto this, and I think that, that this law is actually probably, this smoking indoors law is probably very challengeable by some, uh, some, some type of lawyers, and I, and I think that's why they didn't want it, because it would have weakened that law's position. So yeah, what happens to the folks who are already in business? I think it was they I still was operate as they've been operating. The problem is that there's a lot of these businesses that are trying to open and want to open uh -huh. as a restaurant model that allows cannabis as opposed to a business that allows cannabis and then has to figure out some workaround to get food in included. We need to start like a interest group, citizens for a sweeter so, smoke society and just so, 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 just, just as, just as, just, just to get show you one of the workarounds, Gretchen. Okay, so, uh -huh. so, so, I was at the artistry last night with, um, with uh, Uka was doing a little uh, demo over there, so I was invited over there to go check it out, and um, there you can order food. But the food comes right. from a restaurant that's around the corner, and then the yeah, food I've been in those gets, joints. Gets, sure. gets brought up to you. Now, why this yeah. business can't actually just employ their own kitchen and 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 create their own staff and, and have it operate as a restaurant is just beyond me, and this bill would have allowed for them to be able to do that. Right. But I'm, my question is, does this bill do anything to shut down consumption lounges if the concern is indoor smoking well it doesn't do anything to close them down in regards with that concern but it does do things in regards to close ones that have not opened yet and 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 further the fact of whether or not they will open because i've talked with a number of different owners and they said that if that if uh if this law doesn't pass and there's no point to even having a cannabis lounge it's just a worthless piece of paper and they should just throw it away 
it's been very difficult to to monetize the cannabis lounge concept because the majority right. of cannabis users don't actually intake enough cannabis to kind of push that model forward. Like when you're at a bar, you got a, a bottle that you buy from Costco for 50 bucks and then you're selling $15 drinks and you got like what, 100, you know, 80, $15 sure. drinks out of that. People are buying them every 15 minutes to maybe once an hour. Like that's a business model when you multiply it by 50 or 100 people. When you got four guys who go in on a on a $10 pre-roll and they smoke it and they're fine and now they're watching cartoons or football and, and hanging out and having a great time, as a business owner, there's really there's there's not a lot of revenue there, and the sad thing is, because of business rent, a lot of a lot of um, offerings to the community um, in in Santa Rosa and elsewhere that could be really cool. There's there's just no space for them. It's hard to have a, a dance only event. It's hard to have a just a meeting only event. Like, how are you gonna have a meeting event at a bar type space and everybody's just gonna dance and and be sober? You know, you can't charge twenty bucks at the door and and pay your rent mm -hmm. when your rent's like fifty thousand dollars a month. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, coffee and pastries and these little cafe ads would be a sure. huge lifeline to an industry mm -hmm. that's running backwards. You know, it might just let them even just balance the books. I hate to say this, but I could not have said it better than what Matthew Saint Germain just said. Look at that, man. It's been a very it's agreeable day today. today. It's, it's been like the get along. This day. is bullshit, man. Man, oh man, oh man. I I just feel really bad for a lot of these businesses. I know they really needed this. I'm I'm disappointed as well that that this didn't pass. I thought this was going to pass. I was like, it doesn't make any sense for him not to pass it. And it's just it's just total totally ridiculous. But I really think that uh, that his uh, no smoking indoors bill must be super super weak and could definitely get challenged. And I hope some of the lawyers that are watching this will uh, reach out and maybe we can do something to challenge this law in regards to smoking I mean, this, indoors. This, this last couple of weeks has been a lot of bills challenging at least the California industry, whether it was SB 51, AB 1207. Like, I'm not just going to start rattling off all these numbers because I'm not that wonky when it comes to policy. I'd like to be, but I'm not. But there's been a lot of challenges coming from a, a variety of different fronts, whether it was interfering with what I think the best iteration of consumption lounges could look like, or restricting the ability for companies to brand through the use of animals or people imagery, or the, the, the cliff for social equity provisional licenses. This has been a very challenging little micro chapter, and, and, and the governor signed a couple of them the way we wanted, a couple of them the way we didn't. So uh, it, 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 it hasn't been an easy month in terms of changes to the regulatory paradigm for operators here in the largest cannabis economy in the world. Well, and you think our legislatures would see the difficulty that the California environment is experiencing and offer help instead of uh, you know throwing up further hindrance. That's not what they're doing. But on that, thank you all for joining us and getting high at 9 with us every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big thank you to our audience and supporters for tuning in daily and listening to the insanity that is the developing cannabis industry. Thank you, Gretchen. Thank you, Matthew. And thank you, Yarrow, for joining me today. And thank you all for tuning in. We know you could have been anywhere else today and getting high at 9 with us. It is America's number one daily cannabis news show.